0: Well, good morning. If you could open up your Bibles, please, to Proverbs chapter 9. Please open up your Bibles to Proverbs uh, chapter 9. And just to tell the children as well, we're delighted to have the children in with us. If you are doing your drawings or colorings or taking notes or anything like that, I'd love if you could come up to me afterwards Um, and I would, I have a, I have, I don't have an Aldi bag with me. I have a center bag. So a bit more posh. Um, I have something in the bag in the bag, in the bag for you. So, um, yeah, please do come uh, to me afterwards. Proverbs chapter nine. Let me pray as we get into God's word together. Lord, we thank you uh, for your word. Lord, I thank you for each and every person here with us. What a privilege it is, Lord, to sing to you. What a joy it is to sing to you. And I thank you for each one here, from the youngest to the oldest. Lord, we thank you for the life that the children bring to this church. And I pray that even through this word that is spoken, that they might hear something that would touch their hearts, that they might trust in you and lean in you as their king and saviour. And I pray for us adults here, Lord, there's so much going on in our minds, so much going on in our hearts, frustration, anger, maybe sadness, maybe joy, Lord. I pray through all of that, all of those things that we're feeling, Lord, will you speak into our hearts and minds this morning? Lord, come, we pray in your name. Amen. As we look at Proverbs chapter 9, as we come to this section in Proverbs, what we are given is two invitations, two invitations. And often we, as people, we like to receive invitations. There's, there's, there's something that causes great joy in our house. And what causes great joy in our houses is, is that noise of the, of the, of the letterbox opening. When the noise of the letterbox opens, there is a race to the door. And so all the kids race to the door and check what the letters are, what's come in. And so they they get the letters and they want to open them and and hand it to us and all those things. And it's not just the kids that get excited about posts coming through the door, but also the adults get excited about posts coming through the door. Because recently what I've noticed is I get an envelope through the door and it's blank. There's no address, there's no stamp, there's no nothing, and it's sealed, And I have found myself thinking, it is impossible to throw this letter away. I know it's an advertisement. I know they want to get me. I know they want me to open it. And I find it impossible to leave that closed and throw that away. We like receiving these envelopes. We like receiving these invitations. And this morning, there's two invitations that we receive. It's almost like... um, we have in our lives this door and we're, we're given two invitations through the door of our lives and, and we hold these invitations up and we have to choose every single day which invitation am I going to accept. The first invitation is the invitation to life and the second invitation is the invitation to death. And wisdom would call us to make a decision. Which invitation are we going to accept? The one to life or the one to death? And I want to read to you in in Proverbs chapter 9, the first invitation. It is an invitation from wisdom, and it is an invitation for you and me to life. Listen to what it says, Proverbs 9 verse 1, the first six verses. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, Come, eat of my bread and drink of my wine that I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. This isn't the invitation of wisdom. It is an invitation to come and to live. But before the invitation, what you have is some information about the preparation for what wisdom is giving to us. I don't know if you received a a wedding invitation recently, but if you have, there are certain people that receive a wedding invitation and they're all concerned about the colors on it. What are the colors on it? What's it like? Is that going to be the color scheme for the wedding? You know, they're reading into it as, as a code and, and usually to be honest, it's usually the women are reading it like that, not just the reality. You know, you're kind of looking at the colors. What's the color scheme? What's it going to be like? And then you maybe look at the calligraphy or whatever, the writing that's on it, and you see it all beautiful. For me as a guy, when I receive the wedding invitation, don't care about the colors. Don't care about the type of writing. Don't care about that. I'm concerned about two things. Where is it and what are we going to eat? That's the concern. I just want to know where is it and what am I going to eat? What's the place of the wedding and what are we going to eat for the wedding? And what happens before wisdom gives this invitation to us, wisdom talks about the place and wisdom tells us the food. And so what that does when you hear about the place and when you hear about the food before the invitation is it entices you to accept the invitation. What is the place? Wisdom talks about the place. In verse 1, Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. So not only is wisdom gonna invite us over for a meal, but wisdom says this, I've actually built a house for you. Can you imagine that? You're inviting someone over for lunch or for dinner and you say, I've, I've actually built a special house for you to come. Not just made the meal, I've built a house. And this is no bungalow, this is no townhouse, this is no semi-detached, it is a mansion. With seven pillars, wisdom says. I have built a house for you with seven pillars. Now when the Hebrew ear hears the fact of seven-pillared house being built, they say, that's the perfect house. Wisdom has built for me, for me, the perfect house. Why? Because perfection in creation was seven days. For the Hebrew ear, when, when seven is used, it's this idea of perfection. And, and when building and creation happens, what wisdom is saying is, I've built the perfect place for you, the perfect house for you. And doesn't that sound good? A perfect house? I don't care how fancy your house is, it's not perfect. No matter what way you've painted it, you always want to change its colors again. No matter what fancy handles you have on the doors, you always want new ones. Wisdom is saying, I've got the perfect house for you. You want in to this house. And not only does wisdom have the perfect house, but wisdom lays out the perfect food. Look at what it says she has done in verse 1. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has set her table. She has sent her young women to call. All of this effort she comes to just to send out this invitation to you. And in the ancient Near East, not only does she build a house, but she slaughters her very own beasts. We don't know what that looks like. We just go into Aldi and the meat's already. But to take your own animals and to slaughter your own animals for the guest is quite a luxurious thing. And so wisdom is saying, I've got all the food for you. I've prepared it for you. And not only have I got food, but I've got wine for you. Mixed wine for you, the fancy stuff. The mixed wine would have been mixed with, with spices and a honey, a glorious and luxurious drink just for you. And not only have I, have I, have I slaughtered the animals, not only have I got the wine, but I've set out the table for you. It's all ready for you. And then, and then, I sent out the young women. The young women to call you in. Now again, you will remember that this is addressed from a father to a son. And, and, and wisdom is sending out all these young women to entice these, these, these sons in, to come in to wisdom and experience the wisdom of God. Wisdom is saying, come, I've done everything for you. I've built a house, I've literally built a house for you. I've got the meal ready for you. I've set the table for you. I've sent out people to invite you in with this invitation. What's the invitation? Verse 4. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. Come and eat of my bread. Drink of my wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live. Walk in the way of insight. Come. Wisdom sets all this stuff up for you. And then she invites you to come, all of the simple to come, whoever is simple. This invitation of wisdom is given to the simple people. And the simple people in Proverbs aren't the foolish people. The simple people in Proverbs are the undecided people, the uncommitted people, the naive people. The people who just walk along life thinking, I don't have to make a decision about anything. And many of us think that in life, especially spiritually, I can live my life and I can just sit on the fence. I don't need to make a decision. I don't need to decide whether I'm going to follow wisdom or foolishness. I'll just leave the Christians and the atheists, battle it out. I'm just going to sit here on the fence and I'm not going to accept any invitation. And wisdom says, no. Wisdom says, come. All who are simple, whoever is undecided, wisdom says, come to me. I want you to come. And this invitation of wisdom, it is a free invitation. You do not have to pay for it. It is offered to everybody. Whoever is simple, you can come. Free invitation. The invitation of God is as free as the air that we breathe. Think about it. Every single millisecond you're breathing and you don't pay for a bit of it. It is the grace of God that you have air to breathe. You do nothing for it. You do not deserve it. And this invitation of wisdom is free. It says, come. Come dine with me. This is the invitation of God to every single soul here. God invites His people to come to Him. God has always done that throughout the history of salvation. He's always invited His people to come to Him. And we have seen that by God the Father, through God the Son, empowered by God the Holy Spirit, that this invitation to wisdom, to the wisdom of God, is given to us in and through Jesus. Because Jesus, He talks about the food and He talks about the place that all of us can come to. You remember in John 6 when the crowds are looking for food from Jesus. Jesus said this to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. If you come to me, you will never hunger. If you drink of me, you will never, ever thirst. And many of us in our lives, we experience spiritual hunger and spiritual thirst all the time. Some of us, we are starving right now. And Jesus would say, if you would come to me, I will give you the food of life. Jesus gives us that invitation for food, but not only for food. Jesus gives that invitation to a place. In John 14, He says to us, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in Me. In My Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to Myself, that where I am, you may be also. Jesus is saying, I have a place for you. I have built a place for you. And I am inviting you into that place. Come. And that's really what we're concerned with in life, isn't it? What place will I stay and what food will I eat? You know, I've I've been watching in on the news um, all the Ukrainian refugees, millions of them. They're probably not concerned anymore with the brand of clothes they're wearing. They're probably not concerned anymore with the type of phone they have. They're probably not concerned anymore with the type of car that they have. I would suggest they're probably concerned with two things mainly. What place will I stay and what food will I eat? And when it boils down down for it to us, those are the two things all of us desperately want. A place to stay and food to eat. And deep down that reflects to us what we spiritually need. You need a place to stay. And you need food to eat. And you say to Jesus, Jesus, where will I stay? He says, I've got you covered. I've got a place for you. I've got full room and full board for you. All expenses paid. You say to Him, how long? It's for eternity. You will have a place to stay For eternity. You will have food to eat for eternity. You will never grow hungry and you will never go and want for this place. It is available to everybody who would come. And Jesus says, come to me. All you who are weary and heavy laden and I, Jesus says, I will give you rest. And so this passage offers to us comfort comfort for the weary soul. For those of us who feel spiritually hungry and spiritually without a place, Jesus offers that place to the weary soul. And it also, this passage also, not only gives comfort to the weary soul, but pre- presents an invitation to the simple soul. If you have not decided about Jesus yet, if you have not decided as to whether you've trusted in Jesus yet, Jesus would say to you this morning, come, come. You say, do I have to bring anything? Should I bring flowers? Should I bring food? He says, I've got you covered. Just come. And you mean I can stay in your house forever? Yes, you can stay forever. Come. What do I have to give? What do I have to pay? No, it's free. Jesus is free. The gift of eternal life is free. It is as free as the air we breathe. All you need do is come and trust in Him. That's the invitation to wisdom. The first six verses. And then the next six verses present to you the responses to that wise invitation. And there are two responses to the wise invitation. The response of of scoffing and the response of the wise person The scoffer and the wise person. Look at verse 7, the next six verses. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse. And he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will still be wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me your days will be multiplied. And your years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. And so there are two responses to this wise invitation. This invitation to life. Jesus would come to you. He doesn't owe this to you. Jesus comes to you and He says, Come and eat come and eat of the bread of life, come and have eternal life. I have a place for you. And there's two responses to that scoffing or wisdom. And you say, what is scoffing? You know, we don't use scoffing all that much, but, but I love the word that he uses scoffing because there's kind of a sound in it isn't there to, to scoff. There's, there's a sound related to it. I'm going to scoff at something. And what is it to scoff at something? Well, I think we as Irish people or the Irish people in the room know scoffing very, very well. We're actually very gifted at it. We're great scoffers in Ireland. And I'll tell you how. Imagine for a second that you're, that you're with the lads or the girls or whatever and you're walking down the road and it, and it's and it's kind of like a, it was yesterday. It was maybe a little bit cold, but kind of sunny, but cold enough that you'd, you'd want to wear a jacket and want to have a scarf on. So you're walking down with your friends and you're walking down the path, uh, down the road. And you have your scarves, you have your hats, whatever. But it's still kind of that little bit sunny. And as you're walking down the path, you see this car coming towards you. And it's, and it's a bright red car coming towards you. And it's not just any car coming towards you. It, it's a Ferrari coming towards you. You're there with your group of friends or group of lads or whatever, you've got your scarfs on and you see the Ferrari and it's not just any old Ferrari, it's actually a convertible Ferrari. And, and, and not only is it a convertible Ferrari, but the guy has got the roof down. And he's got the roof down and he's got his, his scarf on and his hat on and whatever and he's driving along and as he drives past the group of, of Irish lads, what are they going to do? They're gonna scoff. Look at your man! Who does he think he is? It's sunny in Ireland for about three days of the year and he's got this convertible and he's wearing his hat and he's got his jacket and he's doing all this. Who does this guy think he is? And so what people are doing at that moment is they are scoffing. They are mocking. Now, if I could afford a Ferrari and a convertible, I'm going to buy that thing. Don't get me wrong. But the reality is, here's what happens. We like to scoff at people, mock people. And that's what this verse is saying. There's scoffers who will hear the invitation of Christ and they will say, I don't need that. I don't need that invitation. I don't want that. I'm good. Thank you very much. And what the scoffer will do in verse seven, the scoffer will abuse, the scoffer will injure and the scoffer, verse eight, will hate you. If you give an invitation of wisdom to the scoffer, of the Lord to the scoffer, they will hate it and say, no, thank you, I don't want that anymore. But the wise person, when the wise person receives this invitation, they won't injure, they won't abuse, they won't hate. The wise person will do two things. The wise person will love and learn. Verse 8 says, Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, And he will love you. See, if the wise person hears an invitation to wisdom, the wise person loves it. The wise person is ready and eager to learn. Look at verse nine. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. You see, the wise person loves instruction. The wise person says, give me more. I want to hear more. The wise person doesn't scoff at at rebuke or rejection. The wise person loves it and seeks more wisdom. I pray that that would be the kind of church we would be. That we would be a teachable people. There is nothing more annoying than a know-it-all. Nothing more annoying. You know, I've, 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 I've done some theological training in, in my life and as I do the theological training and you sit down with guys and, and you go to... I went to a conference with a few guys before and, and there was a speaker and he spoke beautifully and wonderfully of the gospel of the Lord and we sat down afterwards... And, and the six of us were sitting around and they were all critiquing what he was doing, saying, oh, I didn't like that he did this. I didn't like that he did that. And they weren't ready to learn. Scoffers, a lot of them. When the beauty of Christ is presented, we all have something to learn. None of us have made it. The more you learn, the more you realize I need to learn. And wouldn't that be true? If God is infinite, there's infinite wisdom to be gained from Him and we can learn more and more from Him. None of us have made it and all of us need to be teachable. So that we should never be sitting down saying, I know it all, I don't need this. That's the scoffer. But the wise person says, I love it, teach me more. I want to learn more. I love it, teach me more, instruct me. And so what this does is it prepares us for the rest of Proverbs. As we go into the second half of Proverbs, we're going to move from the wise speeches to the wise sayings, and we are going to hear instruction about parenting. And when we hear instruction about parenting, you're going to have you're going to have an option before you. As the kid runs around, you <laughs> lovely Zoe, I love you. Um, as we hear instruction about parenting, you have a choice do I scoff at that or do I accept the wisdom? As we hear instruction about our money, will I scoff at that and say, don't you tell me about my money? Don't you tell me about what I should do with my money? Will we scoff at that or will we accept that and learn wisdom? When we get instruction about our words that we say, will we say, God, you don't tell me what words to say. We scoff at it. Oh, we say, teach me more? I love wisdom. Teach me more. And so that's our response to the wise invitation. The first six verses we hear the wise invitation. The next six verses we hear two responses to that invitation. And the final six verses we hear the second invitation. The first invitation was an invitation to life. The second invitation is an invitation to death. Look at verse 13. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. And so here you have the invitation of Lady Folly. The first invitation was an invitation of Lady Wisdom. And the second was the invitation of Lady Folly. And it's an invitation to death. And you say, that's simple. If I have to choose, like like just simply, if I have to choose an invitation of, between an invitation to life and an invitation to death, I am going to choose the invitation to life. That's an easy thing to accept. But it's not that simple. It's not that simple. You wonder how this invitation is attractive at all because when you compare it to the invitation of wisdom, you say to yourself "The folly, she makes no effort at all. What does she do? She just sits at the door, verse 14, and she shouts. She didn't build a house. She didn't prepare a meal. She didn't get the wine ready. She didn't set the table. She didn't do any of that stuff for you. She didn't send out the young woman. All she does is she sits in her high place and she shouts at you. And you say to yourself, what's seductive about that? Why would I accept that invitation? She does nothing. And yet she invites me in. Why would we accept the invitation to foolishness again and again in our lives when that's the posture of the fool? It's because of what is in contained in her invitation. It's the type of food that she offers. She doesn't care about you. She won't go through any effort. Foolishness won't go to any effort. Sin won't to go to any effort to entice you. Doesn't care about you. What it has to offer is food that will entice you. And you know what it is in verse 17. What does it say about the food? Stolen water is sweet. And bread eaten in secret is pleasant. There's something in us that loves that which is stolen. And you think to yourself, when you sin, why on earth did I do that? Because it's wrong. And there's something in us as human beings, in our fallen nature, that we love to do what is wrong. The moment the red button says, do not touch, that's what I want to do. The moment the sign says, do not enter. That's what I want to do. There's something in us, in humanity, in our sinful nature, that says, because it's stolen, I want that. Give that to me. And it's foolishness. Remember, I used to um, work in a juice bar. When you work in a juice bar, you would have um, flies flying around in the juice bar. So that was a problem. You would have fruit flies flying around so you have to deal with that problem don't you and so what we did was we got a fly light to deal with the flies electric fly light and as you put the fly light up as you're working throughout the day you just see you would look at the flies and you would say stupid flies stupid flies don't they know Then it hit me. I'm exactly the same way. I see the light of sin and I fly in. Every single day. Every single day. I get this invitation to foolishness through my door every single day and I say yes just because it's stolen. Why do Christians sin when they don't have to sin? Because we like it. It's stolen, and it tastes sweet for that moment. The second reason we accept this invitation every single day is because it is secret. It is secret, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. The reason we sin is because we think we're going to get away with it. I think I'm going to get away with the sin sin done in secret this is why we feel so comfortable with sinning in our thought life because we think it is private it is secret and no one's going to see it i mightn't hate them on the outside i can hate them in here all i like i'll get away with it no one has to know i'll just hate them in here I don't have to lust for them out, outwardly. I can just lust in, for them in here. And I'll get away with it. And no one has to know. It's secret. The problem is, nothing is secret. The Lord knows it all. Nothing can be hidden from Him. Not one bit. And that's the foolishness of sin, isn't it? You know there's a, a writer a counselor I I read his his books quite a bit his name is Ed Welsh and he writes about sin and what he says about sin is quite perceptive. He says this in a book he, he's written on addiction he says sin is not rational. It doesn't make sense. Sin doesn't look into the future. Sin doesn't consider the consequences especially if they are not immediate all sin knows is this, I want it and I want more. And that is quite perceptive to say about sin. Sin doesn't think about the future. When you sin, you're not thinking about future consequences. It doesn't think about the future. What does sin think about? The immediate pleasure. So the warning sign to us is this. Is this thing only going to give me immediate pleasure? And so what happens with sin is this. It's kind of a reverse situation. When I come to sin, I get immediate pleasure and I don't see the consequences. But later on what happens, that reverses. All you get is consequences and no pleasure. When you sin, pleasure immediately, no consequences immediately. That's why you do it. Later on, that order is reversed. All you get is consequences and you have no pleasure. That's the reality of sin. And yet we accept it every single day. So I have to ask us, is there right now secret sin in your life that you are not dealing with? Sin in your life that you know the Lord is not pleased with this? And I keep accepting this invitation every single day because I think I'm going to get away with it. And the Lord Jesus would say to you, repent of your sin. Deal with it now. This is why I love taking the Lord's table every single Sunday because it holds to us in short account our sin. You see, when when people miss a Sunday nowadays, we think... I'm just missing a Sunday with my friends. I'm I'm just missing I'm missing I'm missing something like I'm missing the cinema. I could go to the cinema or I couldn't. I'm just missing something like that. We're missing far more than that. Far more than that. Because you cannot take this Lord's table on your own. You cannot do it. It is is to be done in community and in community as one. What we are doing is confessing our sins before the Lord. Yes, even those secret sins before the Lord. And we're saying to the Lord, Lord, will you forgive me? I want to walk in you. And then we take of the cup and we take of the bread. And we embrace that life with Jesus. And so that's the invitation that Jesus gives to us summed up in in a verse that Paul says, the two invitations that we get, the invitation to life and the invitation to death, is summed up in a verse that Paul says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, he says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And those are the two invitations that you have before you. Will I accept the invitation that leads to death that leads to my eternal punishment? Or will I accept the invitation that leads to life eternal through Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ, He always gives us those two options. Wide is the path that leads to destruction and many will go down it. But narrow is the path that leads to life and few will find it. Which will you choose? Will you store up your treasures here on earth, Jesus says? Or will you store up your treasures in heaven? Which will you choose? What foundation will you build your house on? Will you build your house on the sinking sand? Or will you build your house upon the solid rock? Which one will you choose? So the Lord Jesus Christ gives us this invitation through His wisdom. Do we accept the invitation of life or do we accept the invitation of death? Brothers and sisters, each day we are challenged with this. And every day I fail and you fail. But we're called today to turn and come to Jesus. Today to embrace His invitation to eternal life. Don't reject His invitation to life. Accept it. Let us pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank You for Your death on the cross. We thank You for the invitation that You give to us, the invitation to eternal life. Lord, help us embrace that invitation, accept that invitation, and draw near to You, for You give eternal life. You give food to us in which we will never grow hungry. You give drink to us in which we will never thirst. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, I pray that today and this morning we will use the time around your table to repent of our sin, our outward sin, our secret sin, and confess it to you, Lord, that we would no longer walk in these ways. Help us, Lord, to trust in you for eternal life. Embracing the wisdom that you offer to us. In your precious name I pray these things. Amen.